Barry Lyndon, a film by Stanley Kubrick, starring Ryan O'Neill and Marissa Berenson, has won the Best Picture and Best Director Award presented by the National Board of Review. Richard Schickel, in a Time Magazine seven-page cover story, called the film ravishing, overwhelming, an uncompromised artistic vision, and said, director Stanley Kubrick asserts a claim to greatness that time alone can, and probably will, confirm. CBS TV critic Pat Collins called it a masterpiece, monumental, a perfect film of epic size. Playboy Magazine's Bruce Williamson, a film classic. Rex Reed of the New York Daily News wrote, As an 18th century rake's progress, Barry Lyndon catalogues the rise and fall of a likable scoundrel, liar, cheat, and social climber, transporting the viewer into a world of long ago and creating the kind of magic few movies accomplish and few directors attempt in a lifetime. It is a magnificent entertainment, sumptuous, lush, gorgeous, and haunting, a classic of inestimable value. Liz Smith of Cosmopolitan called it a perfect movie. Beautiful, breathtaking, brilliant. Like a gorgeous, fulfilling dream of life. A dream you never want to end. It is not comparable to any other film I can recall. I ask you to turn yourself over to the experience. Barry Lyndon, a film by Stanley Kubrick based on the novel by William Makepeace Thackeray, starring Ryan O'Neill and Marissa Berenson. Hey, Bruce. This is our old-ass cat, Maggie. Look at her. She's pretty. She's beautiful. This is her powdered wig. She's like a... <laughs> I wish we had a powdered wig. I wish we had powdered wigs for this discussion. Dude, I do too. Yeah. I think I have a ratty, like, platinum blonde wig somewhere, but that's not going to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. we a just... Santa Claus wig. We'll have to, like, up our powdered wig game. Maybe when we do, like... Age of Innocence or some shit like that. But, uh, yeah. This is, this video, this discussion stars. Yeah. You telling it? She said, welcome to Movie Humpers. She's telling it like it is. Okay. Yeah, this little, this man might have hit his limit in a second, too. I don't know. He seems. He needs to chase her, though. Yes. Well, he needs to see where she's going because he's in love with her. You know, this. Welcome to Movie Humpers. I'm Bob Sham. I'm Angela. The theme this month is assholes on film. Yeah. So I I meant to discuss, like, like say, we'll go back to In Bruges. Yeah. Ray. Yes. On a scale of one to ten, how much of an asshole do you think Ray was by the end of the movie? By the end of the movie? At the end, I feel like he came down a bit. Sure. In my mind. He was a good eight. He was a solid eight, and I want to say he was maybe like a six at the end. I'd give it a 6.5. Six yeah. It's important we, we're going to judge the asshole rating because some are... More, Way worse than others. I don't think anyone's under a five all month oh, long. Oh, no. 
Oh no. But yeah, I think he gets to like a six and a half at the end after after we've seen him like you know, be regretful about a few things. We realize he's not as hardened regrets, as he was playing regrets. to be. Our asshole on film, which is our again, our theme this month, mm-hmm. assholes on film, uh, is uh we're discussing one of my favorite movies. A very Yes. Maybe one of the more universally regarded movies we'll we'll we will discuss here. We'll be talking about some really good movies this and month. And yet I feel like a lot of people have not heard of it. No. Which is crazy. And I think people would... I think film nerds... Film nerds, yes. People who are interested in this... Oh, let me move this, shift this. <laughs> people who are interested in such things... Yeah. ...have gotten to it. Um, yeah. This is my personal favorite Stanley Kubrick movie. And one that did well in its time, I think it won Best Picture. It should have. The nominees for the Best Picture of the Year are... Barry Lyndon, Dog Day Afternoon, Jaws, Nashville, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The winner is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Compared to a lot of his other movies, the other movies were technically more successful. Sure. But, of course, we're talking about the movie Barry Lyndon, the 75 Stanley Kubrick movie. So good. Our first Stanley Kubrick discussion and... Probably our longest movie. It beats RRR by like 20 minutes. It does. And this movie does what I always ask movies to do. Intermission. True. The intermission is like 20 seconds. That's true. So if you're in the theater, it's not enough to go to the bathroom. But it's a really good like breaking point. It's broken into two acts like a play. I did not realize it was this old. I didn't even look up the year, but I was looking up the actor. And I know he's an older actor. Ryan O'Neill popped off in the 70s. And not as much later, his daughter. Tatum O'Neill. Who we saw, she's in Paper Moon around this time. Mm -hmm. um, The Peter Bogdanovich movie. Which we will be discussing Peter Bogdanovich movies in a couple of months with a specific star in them. But until I looked up that it was Ryan O'Neill, because I knew I knew his face, but I couldn't really think of who it was. And when I pieced together, like, oh, Ryan O'Neill, and that's Tatum O'Neill's dad. Yeah. That is the first time I realized how old this movie was, because it is timeless. Yeah. This movie is timeless. Like, it's obviously set within a, a period. But if you told me it was made last year, I would believe you. It's gorgeous, and the story is always going to be good. Well, the technique is... So unique. Absolutely masterful. As yes. far as like how a movie is crafted, this is pretty goddamn high standards. Mm-hmm. Kubrick is using cameras that were manufactured by this company that used, uh, na- made cameras for NASA. Oh, and they yeah. are designed and remodeled. See. Cause he's in with NASA. Well, that's the thing. That's kind of led to the rumors that Kubrick, <laughs> that the moon landing was fake and that Kubrick filmed the moon landing. <laughs> With those same cameras. So, yeah, that fact actually did feed That's into that. That's hilarious. But, uh, Didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just couldn't help it. <laughs> well, I was glad you caught on to it, honestly. <laughs> and the cameras are specifically designed to be able to take in as much natural light. And Kubrick yeah. is inspired by this 18th century painter and other painters of the time of, uh, and the way the light falls and the, I mean, I mean, just, it's, it's such an interesting movie. In the time that it takes place, very calming just to look at the film. Yeah. For one. But also, there's something very, like, rigid and cold about their performance and the execution. And everything is super inspired by paintings. I'll actually go ahead and cite the British Film Institute. 
I'll put a link to a little video where they explain brief video that explains the connections of the the classic paintings to they put like next to yes and, oh. and I straight up just took their side by sides I'm not even going to claim that I did it as I as they're popping up on this screen totally but, but and I'll put you a should, link and you should but I'll put a link to that credit. video yeah. and then you just look at regular shots and landscape and it's just stunning it's gorgeous every second it's very stiff but very funny Chevalier. Though I cannot say how, I believe you have cheated me. It's so very staged and yet real. Those ups and downs and sometimes people are really shitty and sometimes they're okay and sometimes they really do mean it when they say they're sorry and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they steal all your money. It felt very real in the flaws that people had and the weaknesses that they tried to hide. Now, of course, the theme assholes on film Oh, yeah. So the main study in assholery is our main character, played by Ryan O'Neill, Redmond Barry. Born in Ireland, he's kind. Of, they're kind of well-to-do, but they're not, like, lords and nobles, technically. But Yeah, he has some rich relatives. He and his mom are pretty... Uncles. And- yeah, his, he and his mom are kind of scraping by. His father passed away, I believe, when he was younger. I think I think he, she's a widower, yeah, because she never remarried. The sounds except, you hear are dogs. I'm trying not to be distracted noise. by the cuteness that's happening in the hallway. At least he's doing something I other know. than like bugging us. I know. Um, I hope you can hear the squeaks because they're adorable. He does have like this rich uncle, and they have an estate. She has a cousin. It's his first love, and we see her in the hiding the ribbon, and he's does, and he's such a naive young man, even though he's played by Ryan O'Neill, and he's the same age in the. Year it took to make He's this like movie. He's like scared to touch her. And a lot of times you'll watch something. I'll watch something. And I'll be like, "You could have just cut that out." I, and maybe you could hear, but like you just relish in this journey of this character. They fake a duel. Well, the duel's not fake on his end. He loves his cousin. His cousin's going to marry like this general. This general in the British army. It's the Seven Years' War, and so they do a duel, and his family hands him and. The family could, is going to stand to make a lot of money and be very well off. And their fucking dumbass nephew is just fucking all this up. And from the beginning, he is he's kind of a spoiled brat. Yeah. Like when he he won't like just stand aside so that his family can go on. And his, even his cousin wants this. Like for the sake of his family. Like he's just a kid. He doesn't know shit. He hasn't. Mm-hmm. He's barely left his like, you know, little village. So, in a way, you're sympathetic with the family. It's like, bro, like, you haven't even been off the farm. Yeah. And like you're going to you're gonna wreck a fortune here. To fuck your cousin? I mean, I know that was, like, a thing that people sometimes did back then. But also, it was like, why don't you, like, go meet some girls? Go to Dublin and see, yeah, find dude. a lady that's not a cousin. So, basically, they make him think he won and make him think he killed the man. But they're like, you got to get the fuck out, bro. Yeah, they give him a pistol that's a dummy. This isn't one of my pistols. It's all right. It's one of mine. Yours will serve if it's needed for the next round. And the guy who he's shooting has to pretend that he got well, killed. Well, he really knocked him out because it was like oh. a tar. Or but something. it was like, but it was like he scared him and he, yeah. and he like passed out. That was what was the most believable about the whole thing is how scared the dude was. Yeah, because he, I think, legitimately was nervous that maybe it wouldn't go correctly. What if he accidentally died? So they're asking him to, to forget the duel and go to Dublin, but mm-hmm. now they think that he killed a guy, so they're like, yeah, they're going to come and fucking hang you. you so got to go to Dublin. Dublin. So they send his ass to Dublin, and he gets robbed by these highwaymen, 
And it's just so funny, like, the way everyone talks. Like, the most polite way to tell someone, give me your money, the most polite way to tell someone to go fuck themselves. Mightn't I be allowed to keep my horse? I should like to oblige you. But with people like us, we must be able to travel faster than our clients. Good day, young sir. Just looking at this time, and it is said to be very accurate because a lot of it is high society because a lot of the paintings that inspired uh, Kubrick, this is also a book by William Thackeray. Yes. But apparently the, the, the point of view is different. Like there is some liberties taken in mm. uh, Kubrick's version, who's known for that. Absolutely. Stephen King famously doesn't like the Stanley Kubrick version of The Shining. Everyone else does, but whatever, Stephen. There's just something so absurd to look at the customs of this time. And then we get later on people in their powdered wigs and their white makeup with like fake bowls like dotted Everywhere, onto their face. Yeah, hearts and diamonds. So he doesn't have any money, so he joins the military. Yeah, the next town over, there's a recruiter, so he joins the British <laughs> what Army. What else are you going to do? He doesn't yeah. have food to eat. And, uh, money to eat. Where he gets into some shit, gets in a fight. And I love the the insults. There's this, They're picking on him because there's grease in his cup. And, like, this guy's, like, feeding him, like... This reminds me of, like, being at school. And some kid at the lunch table would be like, uh, tell him his mama's a hoe. Ask him about his wife, the washerwoman who baits him. Mr. Tool, is it a towel of your wife's washing? They say she wipes your face often with one. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It's like the 18th century equivalent of that. that. Yeah. His, his mom uh, 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 is cheating on his dad. Life's a whore. Ask him why he wouldn't see her yesterday when she came to the camp. Mr. Tool, why did you hide so yesterday when Mrs. Tool came to visit you? You afraid of getting your ears boxed? <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen. I noticed that guy you fought. That guy fought like the way pro wrestlers swing. Where they swing so high so that yeah. their opponent can duck. <laughs> wrestling. If you watch movies, do you watch wrestling? There's wrestling in every movie almost. One of the people who helped him in that duel was very loyal to him. The guy was him. his second. His second. He sees him because he's in the... And also the guy who who uh, he thought he killed is also... He's a general, so he's in this military too. Yeah, but they don't see each other again. And... Isn't he in the water when he steals their papers? Oh, yeah. So what he so that that man tells him, you know, that Nora's married to the guy and tells him what happened. And he's like, I'll give you money because I'll give you a cut of what I made because I really do like you. And I really wanted to help you. But your uncle paid me and I had to get you the fuck out of there, dude. And so then um, that man gets killed. Redmond's got the rest of his money. And then he's like, he goes, he goes down near the water and he sees two men in the water who were in love, and they're yeah. basically one man's like, I have to go on this trip, and I'm really sorry. That one of those like, is John. Me. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. So, okay, well, John's in love with another man, and they're like talking in the river, and so he realizes at that moment that they're not paying attention, and, that and he can take this paperwork and identity that one of those guys has, he can take it and run off into Prussia, who's an ally, mm -hmm. and just kind of like make his way through. And, and use that guy's identity. He can figure out his way back to England or Ireland from I there. I did not realize that was him. He decides to figure out a way to get the fuck out because when they're marching on the French, it's like a line going dying. towards a line. So people are just walking on and people are, you'll just surely die with this tactic, right? And he was supposed to be in for six more years. He's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So Barry... He's now faking being an officer. He's trying to be a gentleman for the first time in his life. 
He meets this German woman or Prussian woman. Same thing. That's probably his only true love moment there. Yes. I think he, I believe that he really loved her. That most, that most tender moment that he has. Mm hmm. She, they were just both lonely and neither one of them was trying to get anything from each other except companionship. Yeah. And he never had, I mean, I do think that he thought he loved Nora, but that wasn't reciprocated and it was boy love. This was a grown man loving a grown woman. And she was also the first woman he was with in that way, yeah. as far as we know. Um, oh, so, true. so she, so that was, she took his virginity and she knew what she was doing because she already had a baby. Her husband was in the war. Right. It happened all the time. They actually even say like, Barry was not the first, um, <laughs> the first man, nor would he be the last that, you know, kept her companionship. Yeah, but yeah. when they are saying goodbye to each other, he stays with her for a couple weeks, maybe. At first he tells, <laughs> gives her the fake name. And then as he's saying goodbye, she uses. She says his real name. So he was honest with her. Yeah. Which Th- means he really loved this her. This is when he's at his peak honest. And this th- is the only time he's maybe likable. <laughs> so he goes deep into Prussia and he's waving around these credentials to get by. And he encounters a Prussian officer. And the officer, you could tell the officer is testing him. Catches him in a lie. Yeah, but he kind of gives him enough rope to hang himself until finally they're at a dinner. And he's like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And And he's like, of course, I'm sending these orders to so-and-so. That guy's been dead for eight months. He's like, arrest this man. Now, the Prussian army is full of criminals and people who have been arrested and are forced into the service. So, of course, then Barry gets shoved into the Prussian army. Yeah, but Barry is someone who is bound and determined to rise in his rank. So he starts, at first, he's kind of hanging out with the dudes and being bad. Like they say, he kind of is like a little bit of a scallywag for a bit. But then he realizes that if he like gets his shit together, he can actually be noticed by higher ups and start getting better position. He even rescues this officer when like a building falls on him. The man who arrested him. And that, and that, earns him trust to where they send him off to be a spy. And uh, I forget where they went. Was so, it Amsterdam or something? I actually can't remember where they I can't were. Either. But the reason they picked him is because he was Irish. And they thought that this man was an Irish the, spy. The Chevalier, this gambler, dude. Yeah. They thought he was really Irish and pretending to be whatever. And he was, like, pretending to be this, like, nobleman. And he was he was the first one that you saw that had, like, diamonds and hearts and the, the big, big, big hair. And yeah, yeah. The costumes in this are gorgeous I'm, the hair the women's hair they say this is one of the most accurate depictions of that period my favorite just real quick hair. there should be more shit in the streets though like literally human shit oh, yeah. like all over the place yeah especially in the big cities yeah for sure uh we didn't really see a lot of the big cities though they were mostly at, like the manor like they didn't really go into town except maybe at the end that's true we were mainly in castles and villages yeah small villages. uh but my favorite hairstyle just to say real quick is when we get kind of in the second half of the movie and all the women had the hair that was like this and just looks like they just teased the fuck out of it. And it had like di- like pearls and it's so gorgeous. Yeah. But in also like a dirty way. But all. Yeah. it, it Yeah. The, it looks like a nest. The like high society does seem dirty the way they're caked and all this. Sh- no. They just put makeup on top of makeup. Oh, fucking Europeans smelled like Perfume. fucking ball bags. This idea, like that, the like the Native Americans, that that's the culture that uh, of consistent bathing. Yes, that that's more part of their. Yes, that's that was more attributed to Native American culture than it was European culture. Yeah, and of course, you know, 
plumbing and stuff, we caught up with that. But yeah, so this idea that like, you know, the indigenous Americans were like these unclean savages. Mm-hmm. No, no one was fucking dirtier than the Europeans. You know what they, the one thing they Nobody. didn't do that would have even been more period accurate? Hairy women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because women did not start shaving until like the 1920s. Or well, 60. Everyone yeah, was everyone was so trussed up though, you didn't see a lot of armpits. There was a bit where there was some some ladies naked from the from the oh, okay. top up. And I will say one movie that does that right, which hopefully someday we'll watch because one of my favorite movies ever is uh Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. And they actually have the hairy armpit. Mm. That's important. So Barry confronts he's still Redmond Barry at this point. He confronts yes. the Chevalier he and he doesn't I'm, confront him. Well, what I mean is he immediately <laughs> explains what's happening to him because the Chevalier really is an Irishman. He's a con. Yeah. But he's ingratiated himself into high nobility society. And a lot of these people, these nobles, these lords actually owe him a lot of money. And Barry's basically like in servitude. Like he's not a free man. Like yeah. he's he's having to be in this army bec- or this military because he was captured and so he's he's stuck and so he basically is like dude i am an irishman and they told me to do this and i i'm so sorry and the chevalier just like holds him yeah they become genuinely close and barry is he learns from him he is feeding uh information back to his uh prussian officers but he's just telling them just enough right yeah and as much truth as they as he can that's what i loved the part where they were like it's easier if you tell the most truth and you just omit things. Well, that's true. Absolutely. You have to remember lies. The truth is just the truth. Absolutely. Eventually, they get to the point where the officers are like, we're going to have to move on this guy. We're going to get him out of here. Because they don't really have enough on him. They need to move him away from the, this area. Mm-hmm. And so, Barry gives them the information and the guy ends up taking off early on his own without a military escort. And then Barry dresses like the chevalier and gets in a carriage and they end up escorting out him out thinking he's the chevalier so they manage to both con their way to freedom they then ingratiate themselves into the high society of whatever new place they're at because that's how he meets well they're they're like in england right i know the the family that he encounters later has irish connection but i think they're pretty much just british well he's with the chevalier yeah when he meets Lady Linden. Yeah. Because they're doing their gambling and... And that that scene is infamous due to the the candlelight and the way uh, it's filmed. Kind of one of the more beautiful scenes you'll ever see. There's no artificial light in this movie. I heard that there's some things that there were because it looked better, but 99% of the light is pure natural light. So, So then he decides, okay, I'm a free man. Now I need to find a woman who's got some money. And he sees a and he meets a woman and there he charms her and she's married to this guy named Charles Ballington. He's funny. Good evening, Mr. Barry. Have you done with my lady? I beg your pardon. Come, come, sir. I'm a man who would rather be known as a cuckold than a fool. I think, Sir Charles Linden, that you've had too much to drink. (laughs) As it happens, your chaplain, Mr. Runt, introduced me into the company of your lady to advise me on a religious matter, of which she is a considerable expert. (laughs) 
Bolandon ends up fucking having a heart attack or something. And he and he, he's already a very sick man. Yeah, he's a sickly man. He's been coughing, mm-hmm. and he dies. And we see Barry, Mary, the Lady Linden, who has a son, and he gets the royal go ahead to take on the name of Linden. For part two. This is Lady Jackie. This is uh, Mistress Ballington. <laughs> BB Ballington. BB Ballington. This is Lady Jacqueline of the Gentries. <laughs> she can lick forever. Hmm. It sounded weird when I said that, but. I think it was weird until you made it weird. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you gotta hold her through the whole discussion? I mean, if she'll stop licking, I could hold her for a She minute. will never Pretty stop licking. You're right. She will lick forever. Good girl. She's a good girl. So yeah, they get married, and then there's this scene in the carriage, and this is when the yeah, asshole. This is immediately. This is when the assholeness turns up, and I'm trying to wonder about the motivations of of Barry now Barry Lyndon. Mm-hmm. I can understand his bitterness at these societies that he's trying to ingratiate himself in. He's trying to work them from the inside, con them from the inside. But at the same time, he has a genuine bitterness towards them. Yeah, I think especially with the wife, th- there's a narrator we haven't spoken about, and oh, thinks he's, he's so good. Yeah, and he says, you know, they're in this carriage, and Barry's just smoking, smoking, and she's trying to very genteelly like let him know it bothers her. And when she says, "Can you just stop smoking for a bit?" and he like blows smoke straight up in her face, and then the narrator comes in and says something along the lines of, "Lady Lyndon was soon destined." to occupy a place in Barry's life, not very much more important than the elegant carpets and pictures which would form the pleasant background of his existence. And I get that, like, Barry is uh, probably embittered in this society. I mean, I'm embittered by, like, such high-class societies, too, but I don't want to be in them. But she loves him. She does love him. She... That's the only way this could have happened. I know, and, and, and he does not, he decides that he gets to go out and party and she has to stay home. She has a baby within a year, and he wants her to stay home with the baby and the older son. He, they have this like, eight-year-old kid. But, you know, what I think it is, is kind of what comes back around later when his mom, his mom brings this up later, where it's like, you are now a Linden, but you are not a lord. This child is a lord. This woman is a lady. You don't own anything of your own. So, like, he has this perceived status, but it's not real. And so I think he's almost like, he's taking it out on her, the fact that he can't. But it's not up, it's not even up to her. No, it's, it's not up to the her. The monarchy determines whether or not he would be officially but I think he's just a go jealous. from go from this position to that position. But it's... But it's funny because the narration, when the second part starts, it's like, by the means in which Barry got into this position, is also by the means in which he would have nothing by the end of it. Absolutely. Because he ends up spending all of her money schmoozing people to try to become a lord. Like, you can become a lord, 
and this is when his kid's a little bit older, but you can become a lord, but you have to, like, bribe people and buy shit from people and, like, kiss a bunch of asses. By the way, there's great baby hat in this movie. Oh, my Fantastic God. Fantastic baby, the baby hat. hat. Prime baby hat. A star alone for baby hat. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. This is a this is a <laughs> baby hat does top tier movie. Baby hat doesn't get better than this. It is the biggest baby hat I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so this kid from Charles Ballington's kid from the previous Lord marriage, Lord Ballington, does not like Barry at all. He's a sassy boy, and the actor who plays him when he's older, Leon Vitali. Was uh, Stanley Kubrick's personal assistant? Hmm. Apparently, okay, that's pretty interesting. It is. It is. And the way his his seething bitterness at Barry, and the way it kind of has affected him, and Barry—he's very interesting. And Barry is not subtle at all about being, you know, cheating on his wife or anything like on the Lady Linden or anything like that. He even has other babies. With other women, they come upon. They're walking. They're walking at one point because they also have the um. What is the guy? He's like he's like a he's a tutor, but he's it's also like a, like a person, religious man, personal reverend, something like yeah, that. Yeah, he like lives with them and he teaches the kids and he he like goes to church with her and stuff. But he accompanies her almost all the time, and so it's the picture you always see is her with the baby, with the son, with the man, and they are walking and they look across and see Barry tenderly kissing this woman and there's a baby the maid yeah and it's like at that moment i mean the boy already hated him the boy had already made it clear he hated him and barry had started like whipping him whenever he disrespected him at this point but at that moment there was no way that boy was ever gonna give a shit about barry no matter what he did Mm -hmm. the very next scene however is one of the most beautiful moments of this movie because you know his wife is depressed she's very her husband is cheating on her all over the place, neglecting her. And there's this moment where you see her, and this is another painting I know, where she's in the tub. And she oh, is yeah. so gorgeous. This woman is gorgeous. The way the light is laid. And the way laid. she's positioned and the light and the, the way her like robe is draped. You can't actually see anything, but you see so much of her body. She's in this like bath chair. Kubrick is, is literally trying to envision each scene as though the best he could... A painter at that time trying to establish the light and the setting and the position that everyone is around. And her maids are perfect. Like they're they're gorgeous. And one of them's like reading to her in French. And she's just so still. And he comes in and he says he's sorry. And people think he trying to make some tries to be better. And people's movements are not over the top. Everyone is extremely controlled as though they are posing for paintings or photos. In a much more realistic way than we've seen in other things because, you know, when we watched um, My Private Idaho, Mm -hmm. they tried to kind of do like picture stills and it was always a little weird and odd. This one, they do, you know, they're still alive but they're in a space, and they're just holding that space. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. And Barry is is also obsessed with all these paintings that are inspiring the shots and this movie and the styles. Increasingly, increasingly in death, in debt. And at this recital, Bollington stands up, and he straight up in in that way just completely like insults Barry. I have borne as long as mortal could endure. The ill treatment of the insolent Irish upstart whom you have taken into your bed. It is not only the lowness of his birth and the general brutality of his manners which disgusts me, but the shameful nature of his conduct towards your ladyship. 
his brutal and ungentlemanlike behavior, his open infidelity, his shameless robberies and swindling of my property and yours. And as I cannot personally chastise this low-bred ruffian, and as I cannot bear to witness his treatment of you, and loathe his horrible society as if it were the plague, I have decided to leave my home and never return, at least during his detested life, or during my own. Barry, again, he wants to be a lord. And we, there's actually a scene where the monarchy comes, and he's shaking hands with them, and one of the people, and a lot of these people do like Barry that yeah. are lords and nobles. Absolutely. And when one guy tries to talk Barry up to the monarchy, he's like, oh, Barry, he sent, uh, he sent a lot of money, uh, and, uh, has funded soldiers to go fight the rebels in the Americas. Yeah. And the monarchy says to him, oh, that's very good. Maybe next time you can go join them. Yeah. Yes, your money's really nice, but, you know, maybe if you actually went and fought, and we know that Barry's like, no, I'm not going to go. He's never going to He do bailed that. At the, after the first battle, he managed to survive. So then we're at this recital, and Bollingdon is just dressing him down. And he basically has the little boy who's now eight, the baby. Yeah, Brian. And he's like, he says to his mother, like, you never, you don't love me. You love this child. Yeah. So and he's, she's like. It's sad for the relationship between him and Brian because Brian has nothing Brian to do with it. Brian loves him. But after he dresses after he dresses Barry down, well, Barry loses his shit, goes full Irish on the dude. And it's just, Attacks just, him. And there's this big brawl where he's just kicking the shit out of Bollington. He takes like 20 and, guys in, and, in like and, wigs and to stop him. And all these powdered up hody toady motherfuckers are having to like dogpile to get these two off. But that's the moment that really, and it may have been near impossible anyway, but that's the moment that cemented that Barry is never going to get a lordship. He's not even not going to get a lordship. He loses all his friends. Yeah. People will not talk to him. Yeah, that's the that's the catalyst, whereas the people who at least enjoyed like, playing cards with him and gambling with him, like, like, yeah, he gets the cold shoulder. And now this woman has essentially lost her eldest son because of this man. Because he never goes back. Well, he, well, we'll see what happens. But he leaves and he's like, I'm never coming home. And so Barry is really sweet to his son. Loves his son. This is the one thing he's not a giant asshole to. But he gives him everything even when he shouldn't. Yes. He, and, like, loves him to a fault. Including a horse, which the kid figures the out. He's eight. Yeah, the kid's an eight-year-old. And he, he has a pony. And he figures out and a perfectly nice pony. Yeah, but he wants a horse. And the kid figures out, like, he's getting a horse for his birthday. But his parents are like, you cannot go up there to mess with the horse. And he even you says, like, promise me that you are not going to go to the horse. Sure enough, they Very come nice and day. they say, young Brian went to go ride the horse and something happened. And the kid got bucked off the horse and it paralyzed him. And that led to the kid's death. In so, like two days, after two days, he dies. So like the one thing that Barry did probably truly love, other than maybe his mother, uh, just like died in front of him genuinely sad scene mm -hmm. shit is just going downhill and lady linden is now so incredibly depressed that she just goes to church all the time um barry's mom is now living in the house and starts taking over the books yeah and it's trying to fire the reverend and the reverend's like stay for no money and she's like get the fuck out yeah and he goes and finds lord bullington and lord bullington shows up and he demands satisfaction. We come full circle with the duel. And Barry's like in town. This is like one time where we see him. He's like at a gentleman's club or something. Mm. And this is, you get like multiple painting pictures in a row in this oh, one. Oh, great, so great good. stuff. 
And Barry, Barry also very depressed at this point. Everything's gone to shit. He's just drinking, drinking. It's all going downhill. We already know based on the narration at the beginning of the act that nothing's going to go well for him. Oh yeah. That he's going to die penniless and alone and childless. Like they say that. So Bollington shows up with some people at his side and he demands satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So they go to a a barn to do their duel. 10 paces, turn around. And Bollington is a fucking nervous wreck. He, <laughs> Leon Vitali plays such He's a like a so... the best sniveling little like chicken shit dude, and yes. you understand his point, but he's also such an unbelievable twat that you're you're really just rooting for. He's no a boy. mama's boy. Yeah, you, there's this one scene when Brian's turning eight, and he's just sitting there holding his mother's hand between her and Barry. Like he's just a, he just loves his mother. So he's setting up, and he's gonna get first draw, and he's filming with his gun, and the gun. <laughs> Discharges in his hand. He immediately is like, "There's something wrong with this gun." And they're yeah, like, "But it's, uh, they were both his guns." That's your shot. So they're bro. like, "That's your shot." Then Barry will take the next one, and he gets he like throws up. He's so fucking nervous because he thinks he's gonna die. And then Barry takes his pistol, points it to the side, and shoots into the ground. Because he doesn't at this. Why point, do you think? Yeah. Why do you think Barry did? Okay, that? I think at this point, this is the most broken Barry has ever been in his life. His son is dead. He knows that he has no relationship with Bullington, and I don't think that he wants to die, but he doesn't want to kill Bullington because I do think that whatever love he might have for his wife and his heart... Do you think it's he's guilt? Not, I think it's guilt. I mean, she's already lost one child. He can't take another. Also, he was shit to this kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he... Well, I don't know if he feels bad about it, but I think he definitely was like, I cannot shoot my wife's only other son. And it might be the only honorable thing he does. And this kid has reason to dislike me, so maybe I just yeah. won't fucking kill him. I mean, he beat the shit out of the kid. Or maybe he had the expectation that the guy, kid would be so fucking scared that he wouldn't continue with the duel. And they ask him, yeah. they ask Bollington, are you satisfied? He thought maybe he would take it as a, a goodwill gesture, but he did And didn't. Bollington's like, I have not received satisfaction. I'm not satisfied. And he gets his shot and he aims correctly this time and pulls and he pops J- Barry in the shin. Mm-hmm. And Barry ends up having to amputate. They drag him away from the castle. He's mm-hmm. gone. So it's just he and his mother in We're this just little in house. an inn that's like right next to, it's like an inn that was next to the barn. And he has to get his leg amputated. So he can't leave this room for like months, so, probably. So the doctor comes by as a representative and he says, Bollington's offering you. 500 guineas a year, whatever the money is. Yeah, it's the little lawyer man, the accountant man. If you fuck off back to Ireland, but the moment you leave, you enter England again. It's over. It's over. You have to. They didn't care where he went. You just had to get the fuck out of England. So Barry had no choice. And his mom was already with him. They'd already gotten his mom to go to him. And at least it's better than nothing. Because mm-hmm. if he stayed, he's just going to have less than shit anyway. And like, you know. They'd find a way to kill him or hang him or something. And then they kind of, they kind of, it's interesting because then at that point, it's sort of like, blah, blah, blah. He eventually goes to America. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was very yeah, much yeah. like we lost track of him. Like, the, it's so interesting. The narration makes it seem like he travels most any other place except England at that yeah. point. Yeah. But he's a one-legged man. Yeah. And Lord Bullington is now taking care of his mother. 
and he's he's the little lord. He's he's yeah. successfully taken the place trying of Charles. to take care of her with what little they have left. And you wouldn't feel so bad if she wasn't actually in love with him. She really loved him. But that's one of those scenarios where love was actually there. But but Barry was just so. She was a prize, and once he won her, he didn't care anymore. It's that you want what you can't have. And as soon as she married him, he was like, go upstairs. I'm going to go fuck a bunch of girls. But at the end of the day, he's not these people. So he can't maintain. He can talk a talk. He can talk a smooth game. But he can't maintain their life because at the end of the day, he's buried the Irishman. And that should have been good enough. But And it's so sad in the last moment you see... They're doing the, there's a lot of signing promise, promissory notes. Yeah. That, that's the right word to people for money. And you see her come across in front of her is the 500 guineas to bury for the next year or something. And it's, it's time has passed because Lord Bullington has like, you notice he like has some lost hair and she still tears up at the thought of him. Yeah. And who knows, it could be at the thought of him, it could be thinking of their child, like, but it's just, she is broken forever. So this movie's a five. This is a five. This is a perfect. This is a ten. This is a perfect. Even yes. the high rank I see online where your Rotten Tomatoes, your IMDb's that are 80 plus, it's, it's like. It's a 100. That's not, that's not enough. It's not. The, the, it's for as pure craft, subtle humor, pure beauty. The, the the coldness, the absurdity, like it encompasses so many. It's so interesting, too. It's just so interesting to just sit back and behold this movie. There is a sheep-drawn child carriage in yeah. this movie. There's some stuff that you just, you just don't see anywhere else that you didn't even know people did. I don't know. It's almost like a history lesson, though it's not real. And did we mention baby hat? Baby hat. All right. Look at that. Look at that S tier. That's a great night. That's a great winter's night at home. Yeah, you should treat yourself to this. A Sunday afternoon, a rainy Sunday afternoon. Come on. Watch all these movies you see right here. Watch them all. All right? So where does Barry himself land on the asshole meter? Uh, A naive young boy, a little bitter due to the lessons he's had to learn in his life. You don't feel so bad for a lot of the nobles that he seems to hold this bitterment toward. He does seem to be like an ass for trying to be like them. Yeah. Because in terms of pompous attitude, he pretty much is them, right? Yeah. But he'll always just be the Irishman Barry, who's really, it almost seems like dumb luck that he got there even to begin with. Yeah, I think he fluctuates between like, he's sort of like a seven at the beginning, and then he gets all the way up to a nine. And then I think by the end, it's like an eight. Well, oh, eight. I think I'd go about a seven. Would you at the end? Okay, seven. For the asshole meter. I mean, he does choose to not shoot that boy. That's true. He does. But. He dips right there. But we there. don't know why. We'll be getting to some real assholes this month. But Barry is like, Barry Lennon's a fun asshole to watch. Yeah. Check the show notes for links and other places. The finest assholes all month long. Um, Hit like and subscribe. Do all that shit. And. Death to all traitors. Mm-hmm.